Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Special welcome to our visitors. Some of you have been with us before and some are here for the first time and we're just really glad you're with us today. Appreciate your being here. You can see the title of the sermon this morning, although Enola didn't get it in the bulletin. Shame on Enola. It's oh, terrible. Enola, we don't even have to forgive you. You're Jesus is still the answer. We have that on our little cards that we pass out. And uh, it's something that we need, all need to remember. It is the essence of life. Jesus is the answer to every question. From the beginning, uh, I don't know how many of you are historians, history buffs. Mankind has asked the question, the, the serious questions of life. Why are we here? How did we get here? What is, what is life about? Where are we going? And all those kinds of related questions. And uh, people have explored those from the beginning for, for years. And they're still asking those questions. And maybe you've asked those questions and if you haven't, you really should. You really should. Just what on earth am I here for? What is going on on this planet? In the early years of the, of the church, starting in the book of Acts, uh, when the Holy Spirit came, Jesus had given his life, as we observed here, and was resurrected from the dead and went back to reign at the hand of the Father. And uh, he's there now. And the gospel was spread. And it was said in the book of Acts that, you know, this gospel kind of overturned the whole world. It was a new way of seeing things. There was a new king, Jesus. And that gospel spread like wildfire and uh, spread all around the globe. And people accepted the words of Jesus, the words in the book, as we term it, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures that he was the truth, he was the way to God, he was uh, the Savior. But then, as often happens, the, the devil goes to work. The devil's always working. And uh, we believe there really is a devil. And he began to if you will, compete with Jesus through false religions springing up in the world. Now, there's always been false religions and false gods, but when, when Jesus is making great inroads as the Savior and the King and Lord, Satan's got to fight back, and so he does. Hinduism, Islam, and other religions, throwing them out there. And then the Man takes the center stage, the age of enlightenment, the age of reason, which led to the scientific revolution, if you will, with such uh, thoughts as if it can't be proven by science, it's not real, it's not true. 
which leads to naturalism, which means the only things that ever happen on this earth are just caused by natural forces. There is nothing supernatural. And of course that leads to atheism, believing there is no God, which leads to humanism, which means man directs his own steps and writes his own book and his own rules and his own morality. And that's kind of where we are today a lot. Mankind just making up his own rules and ignoring Jesus and his word. But Jesus is still the answer. He's as real today as he ever was. He's still alive. His words are true. He tells us in one place that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. They are the words of truth. They are the words of life. You need to listen to him. I wasn't sure how to approach this lesson today. I could have, I think, done it several different ways. But if you looked at the scriptures we have today, and we're not going to dwell very long on any one of them, because Frank said he's hungry. <laughs> so what do you do? Frank's bigger than me. So... We're going to start in Matthew 27. And here's kind of my thinking as I opened up this lesson. You know, in our difficult times, and everybody here has had difficult times. Some of you have had a lot of difficult times. Some of you are going through difficult times right now. It's often in those times that we ask those questions we were talking about. Is there really a God? You know, why am I suffering like this? Why, why is my life such a mess? And things like that. In, in those hard times, it, then we start to think, you know, what, what's going on here? Will I get out of this? How do I get out of this? Where, where is life going? And so, along the same line, with if Jesus is the answer and still the answer, then I was thinking, what did Jesus say and do in his most difficult time, which was when he was being crucified. So that's what we're going to look at today in this lesson, the words that Jesus spoke when he was being crucified. And I think you'll be amazed at how he gives us all the answers when he was being crucified. Again, the study of the scripture is so rewarding, is so fulfilling, is so peaceful, peace-giving, to know the truth, to guide you through life. So let's look at Matthew 27, 46. This scripture is found in Matthew and Mark. And then you'll notice we have three in Luke and three in in John. Remember, Jesus was the Son of God, wasn't he? Born of Mary, but conceived of the Holy Spirit and the power of God. God in the flesh, God being a man, taking on humanity. 
and yet he's fulfilled his father's will. He's done everything his father asked him to do. And he knew the cross was coming because he told his disciples that, didn't he? He told them that three times. After going up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to be rise again. He knew that. But as he's hanging on the cross, look what he says in this scripture, Matthew 27, or 27, 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You ever had thoughts like that? Where are you, God? Are you really there? Are you listening to me? Do you know my trouble? Do you, do you, are you answering my prayers? Surely not I've been there. Some of you have too. Here faith comes into conflict with the realities of life. We were studying our Bible class this morning, the, the promise that God always makes. You, uh, you follow me, you're faithful to me, I'll take care of you, I'll, I'll protect you. And that was his promise to Israel, it was his promise to us. But then we find out that sometimes life just overwhelms us, and there is great trouble. There are great problems. And God is kind of hands off. And it happens to us. Whether we're talking about some terrible disease, someone dies early in life, as we would say, at a young age, a spouse decides to walk out and go their own way, and other things, and we shake our head and say, God, why? Where are you? This really hurts. Jesus feels the same here. And so I think Jesus is saying, you know, is he, first of all, he acknowledges there is a God, right? My God, my God. There is a God. But sometimes the question is, why has this happened to me? And then Jesus is asking the same thing, and sometimes we just don't know why other than it's the will of God. Jesus knew he had to give his life, but even having known that, here he is in the throes of pain and death asking that question. And so we should not be afraid to ask that question. If the Son of God can ask that question in a hard time, so can we. We could debate whether his father had really forsaken him or not. We could go back and forth on that. Or did just Jesus just feel that because of the agony he was in and he was bearing the sins of the world? Is life hard at times? Does God seem distant? Jesus is the answer. Go there. 
read this. Yes, sometimes life is like that. But you still have to hang on to God, even in the hard times. It happened to Jesus. Luke 23, our next scripture. I'm going to start with 33 there. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, even as they were nailing him to the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Forgive them. Forgive them their sin. Sin is the source of all evils and troubles in the world. Sin was behind Jesus' crucifixion, the envy, the hatred, the fear, the lust, the desire for power and to hold power, and all those other kinds of things. And even though he was innocent of all crimes, without sin, Jesus did not demand justice or call for retaliation here, did he? Wow. You ever think about that? And, you know, in the garden, he says, don't you think I could have called those legions of angels? He didn't do that. He submitted to his father and to his father's will. Jesus sees into the heart of these men and sees their, their having been led astray, worshiping idols. And he knows what they need. They need forgiveness. They need the Lord. They need to find the truth. And so he asks his father to forgive them. He understands they are made in the image of God. This is love on display. He loved them even while they nailed him. couple of thoughts. What is the source of evil or wickedness and trouble in the world and it's evil? He says, forgive them. He doesn't say, Father, help these people to get examined because they're mentally insane. Nothing like that. We hear a lot of these debates today about you know, the shooters and all, why does this happen? And, you know, maybe they do have some mental problems. But no one wants to point the finger and say there is evil in the world. And that's why people do these things. There is wickedness and they're not serving the Lord. They're serving themselves. And so Jesus here answers their question. Why, are these, why do these things happen? It's because there's sin in the world, because we all sin, and we sin from the beginning. We need to return to God so these things will stop. And then the question comes, and we've all been hurt by somebody, haven't we? You want to raise your hand here if you've never been hurt by somebody? Now the question becomes, is it all right for me to withhold forgiveness? 
And that's another animal, isn't it? Sometimes not easy to forgive. People can hurt us deeply. People can hurt us, as we say, just out of the blue, a total shipwreck, blindsided. How did that happen? I didn't see it coming. It really hurts. How do we treat our enemies? How do we treat them? Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good to them. This was the good he could do to them at this time. He was dying for them, wasn't he? Giving his life, but he says, Father, forgive them. Jesus is the answer. When we struggle with forgiving, when we struggle with trying to understand why do these things happen, sins in the world, and yes, we need to, with the help of God, muster all the strength and power and love we can to forgive those who've hurt us. So, you know why? So we can be just like him. That's why. Let's move on down that chapter to verse 43. There were two others crucified at that time when Jesus was. I think most of us know the story. Two thieves. And it seems at the beginning, as you read the Gospels, they both were kind of railing at him and making fun of him because he said, you know, I'm the king of the Jews and so forth. But then it seems like after a while, the one of them whom we're going to read about here changed his mind as he watched Jesus. And he realized who he was. And so he says this in verse 43. He said to him, truly I say, I'm sorry, uh, verse 41, let's go back. He says, we indeed are suffering justly for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to them, truly I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. This man showed remorse and repentance even before the gospel was preached on Pentecost. That's why Jesus can just say this to him and forgive him. He had that power. Jesus acknowledges again the the heart of this man. He says, we're guilty. We deserve this. But you don't. Remember me. So we see the honesty of this man acknowledging his sins. Again, something that we all must do. To acknowledge that Jesus, hanging on the cross, had done nothing wrong. But we deserve what we get. But even in his hour of need, Jesus responds to the spiritual needs of another person. This shows his genuine compassion and unselfishness. It's hard to imagine, you know? Here here he's hanging there in great pain, the sins of the world, and 
wondering where God is, his father, and here's this guilty guy over here, and he says, remember me, and Jesus says, okay, I will. You'll be with me in paradise today. The thought came, as we struggle and we have our problems and needs, how often do we just ignore the needs of others and totally focus on ourselves? When we're having, as we call it, a bad day, in the midst of our trouble, do we just focus on ourselves? Jesus didn't do that, did he? He focused on the needs of this man. And then I think another thought here. Is there hope in the world? That's what this man was looking for, wasn't it? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. I, I, I'm guilty. I think, this is my opinion, the man must have heard of Jesus and heard him talk at some point, you know, Jesus was everywhere and he was around. And so he's looking for hope. And Jesus gives it to him. Yes, today, you'll be with me. And so, again, in our hard times, we cry out to the Father and we wonder, is there really hope? Is there a future? Is God with us? The answer is yes, absolutely. And Jesus is that answer. Right there on the cross for that man. We just have to acknowledge that Jesus is Savior and serve him. Luke 23, 46. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. A dying breath, as we would say, a deathbed statement. And as I was just thinking about this, again, the Son of God, the Son of Man, how can God die? Did you ever think about that? God can only die as a man. He did. But here is the end. His life has come to an end. It was beyond all resources for Jesus. It was out of his hands. It was time for him to die. And to whom does he look? To the Father. Not to anyone else. Not to himself. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. You'll do the right thing. You'll bring me back. You'll be true to your word. And this is the kind of thing we all need to do as we consider death. I know nobody likes to think about death, right? We just really don't. We don't have time to consider the end of life. But we will all face the end of life at some point. 
It reminds me of the man, where actually three of them were discussing this. They were a little bit older in age, and they were saying, you know, what, what, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? You ever think about that, about your life? And the one guy says, um, I would like people to just to say and remember that I was a great humanitarian, that I did good for people, that I was good in the community, uh, that people were in need, they needed food, I needed a place to live, I helped them get that, uh, that I really, really cared about people and, and uh, you know, programs for kids and so forth. And the guy said, yeah, that's good. And the second man spoke up and says, I'd like to be remembered I was a good family man. I'd like them to talk about me, uh, that I uh, took care of my wife, uh, gave her, you know, things that she needed, reared my children in the ways of God, I uh, helped them get a good education, get started in life whenever there was a need. You know, I, uh, I helped them out. I was always there. I'd like for the people to say that about me. And they, they said, yeah, yeah, that's good. And they, those two looked at the third guy and says, what, what, what do you want people to say about you when, when they're at your funeral there and you're, you're in the coffin? Your body is. And he said this, look, he's moving. <laughs> he, he didn't want to think about it. And... You know, from you know, I'm not trying to be a downer here, but sometimes we have to think about it. There is an end to life. Jesus gives us the end. Where do you go? To whom do you turn when there's nothing left? When some or someone close to you? Father. Father. And hopefully you know the Father throughout your life so you can call out to the Father during those times. Let's go to John 19. I can hear Frank's stomach. Jesus is on the cross. It says when Jesus... Then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby. He said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour the disciple took her into his own household. There are many in life to whom we owe a debt. Here with Jesus it was his mother. Even Jesus, the son of God, owed a debt to his mother. Did you ever think about Jesus as a little boy? Or even as being born? She did give birth to him, nursed him, changed his diaper. Yeah, for sure. He was fully human. Taught him the scriptures. Fed him. Burped him. He was just like us. He owed her all of that. We have parents, grandparents, other family members, mentors, teachers at school and church and everywhere else that help us along in life. And how many people just kind of think they've done it all on their own? 
Yeah, look what I've done. Wow, what a, what a terrible mindset to think that we've, we've done it all on our own with no one's help. And here we see in his hour of need that Jesus sees that his mother is taken care of. And the question comes, you know, is it ever right just to forget about those who have given us so much and ignore them and forget about them? How do we honor them? How do we care for them? Jesus gives us that answer right here. He saw to it his mother was taken care of. Moving on down that chapter to verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I'm thirsty. This reminds us again, Jesus was human. that he had lost fluids in the scourging and the crucifixion. And he says, I'm thirsty. They gave him some sour wine. Looks like he took a little bit of it and really didn't drink it. There was belief grew up in the first century, second century, called Gnosticism. And that belief was basically this, that this body that we live in is evil. And it didn't matter what you did to it or what you did with it. As long as the inner person, the soul, you kept it pure. Now, I don't know how you do that and how you separate it, but that was the teaching. That was the philosophy. And it was a danger to the church. And people had to be reminded our bodies were the temple of the Holy Spirit, and it mattered what we did to our body and with our body. Because our body is a gift from God. It's that in which we live. And so to abuse and misuse our bodies is not pleasing to God. Because we need to keep our bodies well, fit, and though I say tuned up, so we can serve him. And this is just a reminder here that Jesus was human. And he obviously took care of himself, his own body, while he was on the earth. And our last scripture there, John 19.30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What was finished? I don't think he was talking about his life. He'd already said, into your hands I commit my spirit. I think he was talking about the work God had given him to do. The whole life that he was to live, coming here as a human being and being the Savior and becoming Lord. He says, I've accomplished it. I've done, Father, what you wanted me to do. Through my death now, mankind, you and I, can have life eternal. I am the Lamb of God as we sang the song. And that brings up the question for you and me. 
does my life have a purpose? We often ask that one, don't we? What's my life all about? What's it for? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to accomplish? Jesus knew what the will of the Father was for him, and he accomplished it, he finished it, and it was a, a satisfaction to him that he could, in his death, say to his Father, it's finished. I did it. I did it. So for each one of us, wherever God has put you, whatever talents and gifts he's given you, resources, abilities, position in life, family, whatever it is, what does God want you to do with that? What are you doing with it? Because it matters. As we look into the word of God and see what it says, how we're to live our lives. When we come to the end, when the journey for us is completed, for you, for me, will I be able to say with some confidence, obviously always with the help of God, with the power of the Holy Spirit, but to be able to say, it's finished. Yeah, I, uh, I messed up a few times, Lord, and you know when they were. And we need to admit those. But you helped me through them. You brought me back. You strengthened me. And I was able to do some things you wanted me to do. And so I just lay it at your feet, Lord. There it is. My life is finished. I pray that that life for you will be a good one, one that the Father is pleased with, and I pray the same for me. But Jesus tells us here, life has purpose, life has meaning, and we're all going to return to God. We'll always offer an invitation. If anyone needs prayer this morning, we're here, we can pray with you about anything going on in your life. If someone is ready to obey the gospel, we can assist you with that. So Brother Don's going to lead us in a song. If you want to come now, please come. As we've said before, you can always talk later. Brother Don.